Forget frequently asked questions. Common sense. Common knowledge. Or Google. How about advice from a real genius? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do. But only 0.1% are real geniuses. Richard Jacobs has made it his life's mission to find them for you. He hunts down and interviews geniuses in every field. Sleep science, cancer, stem cells, ketogenic diets, and more. Here come the geniuses. This is the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Before we begin, a note from our sponsor. I'm Richard Jacobs, Executive Director of the nonprofit Finding Genius Foundation and host of the Finding Genius Podcast. In late 2016, I was rear-ended at 65 miles an hour by a truck on the highway, which sent me off-road into a ditch. The impact of the collision gave me a concussion and other injuries. At the hospital, a CT scan showed that I had thyroid nodules, which turned out to be cancer. It was then, when I had a biopsy in my neck, that I realized, even if I was a millionaire, I wouldn't want a second or a third biopsy due to the pain and the invasiveness of it. And appointments at that time for thyroid experts were three to six months out. And I was worried about dying now, even if that was irrational. So because of this, I've decided to raise money to conduct a literature review on steroids, on the causes of anxiety and depression, a condition that affects well over 50 million people in the United States and hundreds of millions worldwide. Our goal is to create a codex, a guide that reveals all possible treatments for anxiety and depression for people that live with the condition or for loved ones that have it, as my wife and my son do. To find out more about our fundraiser, visit FindingGeniusFoundation.org and click on Current Initiatives. And now, to our guest. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Finding Genius Podcast, now part of the Finding Genius Foundation. I have one of my uh, board members, a wonderful lady uh, named Dr. Sandy Bavakwa. Uh, Bavakwa actually means drink water, I believe what she told me. I, I sometimes call her Dr. Baklava, you know, because it sounds more delicious. But uh, the topic we're going to talk about is pretty serious. Uh, it's depression and anxiety from a biochemical standpoint. And Dr. Sandy has a PhD in molecular and cellular biology, and she's really into biochemistry and blood testing and things like that. So I wanted to have her on. So Dr. Sandy, thanks for coming back. Thank you for having me back. Well, tell me, you know, ballpark, how many patients over the years that have depression or anxiety or related symptoms have you worked with? That is a great question. I'm going to say to you that there is some level of depression, anxiety, or both that's associated with so many different conditions. So uh, for instance, if someone comes with autoimmune disease or maybe uh, you know, it could be very serious such as uh, a cancer or uh, an inflammatory condition such as familial cardiovascular issues or diabetes, when we have an underlying uh, or when we have an overt diagnosis, sometimes there's going to be depression and anxiety there. But there are other people that come forward and their main issue is the depression and anxiety. They're not, they don't have another diagnosis. And is this because of, you know, psychological events that have happened in their life? Is it biochemical? Oftentimes with most clients, there's an underlying depression or anxiety that's there. So I'm going to say, most of the clients, when I first meet them, have some level of depression or anxiety. A lot of people are suffering. So could you call this a, uh, a comorbidity with other chronic conditions or just to come along, you know, coincidental conditions? Yes. Sometimes it's going to be a comorbidity and sometimes, but remember, 
if you have an issue going on, um, and sometimes there can be depression slash anxiety that comes on as a result of an event, a shock to the body. And it could be physical shock, it can be psychological shock, like the loss of a loved one. And that can kick in a cyclical kind of depression, anxiety that the person just can't kick. And yeah, uh, not, not to say that, what about the chronic sufferers, the people that have had depression, anxiety for years or decades, and it comes and goes and comes and goes and has become a part of their life? Well, in, in those cases, okay, understand that where I'm coming from, I am I'm a PhD in molecular and cellular biology. I'm going to be looking first biochemically, along with a really uh, very detailed medical history. I want to know when did the depression or was the depression always a part of your life? Or did it start on, you know, uh, sometimes people will say it was right after that happened when I got sick or when that medication was given to me or when we moved to so-and-so. When that event happened, it was right after that that I had, you know, that's when I recognized that it happened. So where I start is to look for the causes, look and see what's happening biochemically. So I'm going to be running blood chemistry or encouraging that person to see a healthcare provider or get it done on their own. We have third-party vendors now online where we can anybody can choose whatever blood chemistry they want. And we do the basics. We'll do a CBC with differential, a comprehensive metabolic profile, look and see how the liver and kidneys are doing and balance of, uh, I mean, oftentimes with someone with depression or anxiety, they'll, we'll see an imbalance of electrolytes because they're super stressed and it's reflecting back on their adrenal function. We may see uh, that some of the B vitamins are amazingly uh, deficient or they have B vitamins that they can't process due to genetic issues. They may not be able to use the, the form of B vitamin that is in our food or in uh, supplementation. I've had some of the more severe depression cases were due to supplements that people couldn't use. That, that So they were in a toxicity. What uh, do you mean? Like uh, they would take a supplement thinking it would help them, but their body couldn't use it. They would build up to toxic levels or what was yes. the mechanism? Absolutely. In fact, the, the case I'm thinking of is a gentleman, and this is a great husband, great father, coach at the high school, was a uh, just a like a you know role model for lots and lots of kids. And all of a sudden, he, he dove into the deepest depression, wanted to die, and was banging his head against the wall like an autistic child, like way out of character. And for him, it turned out that his genetics kept him from processing, and this is a lot of people know about this, he couldn't handle synthetic folate. He had to have a very, very specific form of folate, and it actually took two and a half years to get the buildup out of his system from, you know, his wife, very well-meaning, was giving him a B complex that had a B vitamin in it that he couldn't process. And he oh. had out of this world levels of folate in his bloodstream, and it causes extreme anxiety and depression. Yeah. So that took two and a half years to get him back down to a ground level and he's feeling better now. So, so I mean, is it um, how concerning and how common is something like that? Should people that take supplements, I mean, is it, has it become where, you know, now even before you take supplements, you should talk to a doctor or what, what should you do? Well, actually that particular problem 
Uh, depending on who you're looking at, it's somewhere between uh, 26 and 29 percent of the American population have genes that will block them from processing, from activating and methylating their folate. And the form of folic acid or uh, or for linic acid, whatever form is correct for them will be uh, dictated by their genetics. So, yeah, I mean, I, I am a big proponent of people having a genetic analysis done to see. And then here's another one for you. What B12 is good for you? What form of B12? Is it, if you take a supplement, are you good with methylcobalamin? Maybe you are, maybe you're not. Uh, if you, uh, you might need a denosyl or a hydroxyl form of B12, what form of B12 is best for you is determined by your genetics. And this is really important too, because you can, you know, a lot of people are walking around very B12 deficient, but when they go into the doctor to get tested, they're, they're told that their level is too high. And the mm -hmm. reason it's too high is because, I mean, even if you go to the store and buy crackers, there's going to be synthetic B vitamins in there that you might not be able to use in a form that you really? can use. Oh, yeah. Is there like um, a set of master biochemical pathways that everyone should have tested as early as possible? Or what's the implication of this? Before we continue, I've been personally funding the Finding Genius podcast for four and a half years now, which has led to 2,700 plus interviews of clinicians, researchers, scientists, CEOs, and other amazing people who are working to advance science and improve our lives and our world. Even though this podcast gets 100,000 plus downloads a month, we need your help to reach hundreds of thousands more worldwide. Please visit findinggeniuspodcast.com and click on support us. We have three levels of membership from 10 to $49 a month, including perks such as the ability to see ahead in our interview calendar and ask questions of upcoming guests, transcripts of podcasts you're interested in, the ability to request specific topics or guests, and more. Visit FindingGeniusPodcast.com and click support us today. Now, back to the show. Honestly, anybody can go online, go get their genetics tested. I like 23andMe because they've been around for a while and they are testing more SNPs than most other companies. You might tell me I'm wrong and there's another company that there's some that are claiming they're doing more than 23andMe, but I haven't seen the evidence quite yet. Uh, the data that I have coming in shows that that's not quite true yet. But there's at least there's competition amongst other companies, and you just send a saliva sample in through the mail, and you get your genetics. And you can even tell them, if you don't want them to keep your genetic data, tell them to dump it, and they do. Um, if you want them to keep it, they, they do ask if they can keep your genetic data to, to make a database. But a lot of people have genes that are blocking their ability to, to process different B vitamins. And I'm going to tell you that I know for certain that if there are SNPs or genetic code that hasn't been discovered yet about the processing of other B vitamins like B5 and B6, you're not hearing about this, but I see the results of it because, in fact, I, everybody that comes to me with depression or anxiety, I test their B6 level. And in some people, it's skyrocket. It's very, very high. And, it, and the reason is because they can't process the B6 that's in the processed foods or in their supplements. And, it, and those SNPs haven't been discovered yet, so they won't be in your results, but we can tell from the blood chemistry. So you run blood chemistry and the genetics, and we can look and see what's going on with this person. What, yeah. what is it? Sometimes the genetics will say, 
that a person has difficulty with producing the enzymes that we need to break down our neurotransmitters. So there are people that are very seriously depressed that cannot break down their dopamine or break down epinephrine or norepinephrine. They're having a really hard time. So they can have very high levels. Good question. What happens to someone that can't break down certain neurotransmitters that takes an SSRI and they're re-inhibited from, you know, I mean, it makes even more, I guess, temporarily. What happens to them? People, do they become manic or? Okay. So a really common one is you make a lot of dopamine because you can't break down dopamine. It's, it's a COMT, C-O-M-T genetic mutation that would cause that. And that, that's a transferase that breaks down dopamine. So if you can't break down your dopamine, every time you make it, you're producing more and more and more and you have very high levels. Dopamine and serotonin should be pretty even, Stephen, as far as their levels in your body. And if you have even amounts, you like if the ratio is kind of a one-to-one, then you're gonna be probably pretty happy and actually, one of the ways that we, there are symptoms of having high dopamine. One of them is being more uh, interested in having orgasm. Now, there are, those people could be, there's a subset that have extremely low libido. So they don't have that interest in sex. But if you have somebody that's very sexually interested, and they, uh, but they're very depressed, that could be an indication of one of those people, but there's other symptoms as well. And you can go online and look at the symptoms of high dop- dopamine. So let's say we take that person, put them on an SSRI. So now we're blocking their ability to break down serotonin. So now their serotonin starts building up. And so now you have a ton of serotonin and a ton of dopamine at the same time. Does that feel better? Yes, kind of but there's gonna be a lot of symptoms because that person now has crazy amounts of both of those neurotransmitters. And it does cause other problems, including backing up of certain liver pathways that are responsible for breaking those things down. So it's not the best solution, but they may actually be more functional than when they had a ton of dopamine and not enough serotonin. They might be suicidal at that point, but with the SSRI, it may balance them out to feel a little bit better, but it's not ideal. Ideal is you help them with the pathway to break down their dopamine so they get into the normal range with the rest of, with all the happy people, right? Yeah, that's interesting. With the depressed people, you've seen like how many different reasons biochemically have you observed? Is there a, a small subset that tends to lead to depression or is there just dozens of different ways that it could happen? If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. Well, actually, in an effort to answer that, I'm going to go back to the blood tests that need to be run, and that will get you there. So I'm not just looking at B vitamins. So I'll look at B12 folate and B6 at the very least, because that's a that pinpoints it. But B1, thiamine, or your the activated, the benfotiamine, the that is going to also be a reason if somebody's very low in their B1, that can be a cause of depression as well. But that's going to be more anxious. When you take the B1, it's very calming. And so if somebody's really spinning out, like anxiety is a bigger piece, it could be B1 deficiency. And it's super cheap and easy to do to take an activated form of B1 and see what it does. That That's kind of a uh, something to look at. In fact, sometimes I will just do a shot in the dark approach 
and give some, some activated B1, we use some B8, which is called inositol. Inositol mm -hmm. can be a real quick and easy, you know, just a B vitamin approach and see how they do and possibly some activated folate if they don't have any symptoms of being a hypermethylator. And so, so if they, if, Methyl, if a methylated B is not going to harm them and they have none of those symptoms, then okay, we'll try some of these B vitamins. And if it's right for them, they'll notice right away. They'll feel better yeah. right away. However, yeah. it could be a lot more complicated than that. We already talked about neurotransmitters, but there are people that, for instance, genetically are producing extra ammonium. And if you have your ammonia is very high in your bloodstream, that can cause depression. But it's usually with fatigue. There's going to be fatigue, depression, but it can cause an anxiety because the body's being attacked with ammonia toxicity. And then we could have um, mineral imbalances, such as high copper, low zinc. I run into this a lot, and that can be associated with depression. Low, incredibly low magnesium is very common amongst people in their 40s and older or in athletes. And that can be a cause of some depression, but it usually comes with muscle spasm. How many of, yeah, this is a pretty, pretty big question, but how many do you think of the prescribed drugs out there um, lead to psychological consequences? You know, like they amp up your anxiety or depression, or they, they affect your mental state in a negative way. That doesn't ever seem to be talked about. If you go onto any of the uh, the websites like drugs.com or rx uh, drugsrx.org, I think it is. Anyway, look at any of the sites and look up the side effects of any of those drugs for depression. You're going to find that the symptoms that they treat are oftentimes listed as side effects of the drug. Uh, antidepressants always have depression and anxiety as a potential side effect. So here's another one that I wanted to make sure I mentioned today. I can't, you know, I'm, I know that you have had incredible speakers that have spoken to you about the, the desperate need for vitamin D in our country, in our world. Vitamin D is being burned up like crazy. And I'm going to tell you that one of the reasons why we're burning up so much vitamin D, you can go out nude in the sun all summer long and still have a vitamin D deficiency because we're living in a chemical soup. And the detox pathways are burning up the vitamin D. And one of the first symptoms of low vitamin D is depression, depression and anxiety. Vitamin D is a hormone precursor. And low hormones or imbalanced hormones is a really big cause of depression and anxiety. So finding out if someone has the symptoms of one of their hormones being out of whack or several is really important. And there are lots of natural ways to balance that. But one of the first things that you do is make sure somebody has proper amounts of vitamin D in their system. And sometimes that's the what it can be a overnight cure. Uh, if they're really low, you can uh, do high dosing of vitamin D for a couple of days. And if the person says, oh, my goodness, I slept so well last night, and I feel like a new person this morning. That but how, do you, how do you know that? I mean, are there some people that have a pathway or are, are they unable to? I guess like you said some people can be naked in the sun and not have enough. So what's happening biochemically in those people where they can't 
process it or use it. Well, some people have mutations in their VDR or their vitamin D receptor genes, and that's keeping them from being able to make or use the vitamin D. But you can still help them by raising their vitamin D with supplementation. And vitamin D supplementation is dirt cheap. In fact, in India, they're giving people little packets of vitamin D, vitamin C, and zinc just to give them a chance to fight COVID. But that vitamin D has a beautiful positive effect on mood um, because you're giving a it's it's a it's a hormone precursor. So you're helping them balance their their hormones and they feel better. But I've seen like men with low testosterone, women with low estrogen, men and women with low progesterone or low testosterone are um, or the precursors like pregnenolone or DHEA if they're deficient anywhere in this area or Okay, all hormones come from cholesterol. If somebody's taking a cholesterol medication, this a statin drug to lower their cholesterol, they're probably mm. going to get depressed, and it's going to be a hormone yeah. problem. They don't have the building material to make their hormones anymore. Yeah. So if someone's on a statin drug, that's kind of a no-brainer. And if they have extremely, some of the cardiologists are saying, yeah, get that cholesterol as low as it can go. And that's not a good idea. All of a sudden, mm. this person has, you know, they're, they're having all kinds of hormone s- symptoms. They're irritable, mood swings, you know, depression, anxiety. They are, ha- uh, you know, and the lo- maybe depending on which hormone goes out, they're either having insomnia, they can't sleep anymore, or their hair is falling out, or they're getting completely cold in their body. Outrageous fatigue can be a part of that. Inability to focus, so mental function can drop. You can get, uh, with certain hormones, so let's say you're already in the pushing in the direction of insulin resistance, you might all of a sudden that, that statin drug or low cholesterol can push you into having major gut issues. So the person's gassy and they can't handle carbs anymore and they start reacting to different foods. All of that. Yes. So what are the, um, is there a, a fixed set of tests that you use that, uh, you know, would help people figure out all the major, you know, pathways that, that tend to be disrupted so that they can have supplements, you know, as they need or at least resolve their problem? Yes. And you know what? Actually, I would be very happy to do this. If anybody wants to have that list, um, all they need to do is contact the office and I will just send that to them. I will send them the list of here's what, if you have depression and anxiety, please run these tests. I've already mentioned some of them, but I'll rattle them off. Should I'll slow down just a bit. Uh, sure. The CBC with differential is appropriate. Comprehensive metabolic profile, not a basic or a general chemistry but a comprehensive metabolic panel. You want to have, you want to see if blood sugar, if there's uh, insulin resistance or any blood sugar instability. And that's going to be done not just with hemoglobin A1C, which is the standard uh, test, but you also want to look at fasting insulin because some people will have a normal hemoglobin A1C, but their fasting insulin will be way off. And then we want to look at the B vitamins, B6, B12, and folate are at least those, and maybe B1 and B2 as well. And then we want to look at homocysteine. So if you're, if you're not able to process the B vitamins, the homocysteine will go up. And that put, does put you at risk for cardiovascular disease, but it will also, uh, in some people, increase agitation and that anxiety will come up. Uh, levels of ammonia to see if that, that's kind of 
more rare, but it is an option and it's something that we do find. Those minerals I talked about, magnesium, zinc, copper, and then vitamin D levels. Oh my goodness, for everybody, that's really important. You know, you can have fatigue and anxiety uh, show up with low iron. So running an iron panel, like a, uh, that's appropriate, with ferritin. And the ferritin in this case may be an inflammatory marker because that's another reason for like anxiety in the body. If your body's getting attacked from the inside and you have, you have inflammation inside of your body, you're gonna have anxiety. It's like you're getting attacked from the inside day and night. And so the ferritin in these people might go high or, and there's other inflammatory markers that can be looked at such as HSCRP, or high sensitivity C-reactive protein, fibrinogen. And I like it, it's optional, but I really love to see a cytokine panel. So we're looking at what, what kind of inflammation, if there's inflammation in this person's body, what kind is it? Is it the kind that leads to cancer? Is it the kind that leads to diabetes? Let's see what kind there is. And so a cytokine panel with like interleukin-1, interleukin-6, I like to look at interleukin-8 that's more associated with cancer. I like uh, tumor necrosis factor alpha, TNF-alpha, and IGF-1. The, these are the cytokines that I kind of like to see in a person. Optional, sometimes the doctor looks at you sideways if you ask for these. But also, if there is an immune issue, and oftentimes with depression and anxiety, there's a reason for that. And it could be in the immune system. So I just want to look and see, do we have any indicators for autoimmune disease? So a real simple test, uh, run the SED rate, S-E-D rate, or an ANA, uh, anti-nuclear antigen. Sometimes I'll run an ANA screen, which is a number of, that we're looking for antibodies that are attacking different tissues. Let's see if you're under attack. And is that the reason why you're depressed? The, the hormones... I like to see at least the basic hormones. And this is for men and for women. Estrone, estradiol, progesterone. And on the testosterone, we like to look at total and percent free testosterone. And I love to see at least one, like if, it, if the person can go first thing in the morning for a morning cortisol, it's helpful because we can take a look at how the adrenals are doing. Oftentimes when someone's depressed, and has anxiety, their cortisol can be crazy high off the charts, or it can be down in the dumps. They can be, uh, if they have fatigue along with their symptoms, it could be that they, they're not even producing cortisol anymore. And that's a very, very different kind of depression. It can be very severe, the adrenals. It can also be thyroid. And so at least a basic look at your thyroid stimulating hormone, your free, like you don't have to pay for it, free T3 and free T4. These are, this is a very quick look to see, is this person suffering from depression and anxiety due to the fact that their thyroid can't produce thyroid hormones anymore? That will cause a lot of different symptoms. It'll affect some, depending on the person, the skin can get dry, the person can get cold hands and feet, but they're going to have they probably can't sleep well at night. They will have depression. They'll have irritability, mood swings, anxiety that can come and go and really knock them to their knees. It can be very severe. 
And here's another very rare one, super easy to test for, but it is still rare, and so it's an optional, is to do a single test on the parathyroid hormone. It's PTH. And the parathyroids can cause trim, like really deep, constant depression with anxiety, and that's one of the easiest ones to fix. And it's so cheap and easy to test for. Um, and I do run into this one. And this one's so cool because you can turn it around in one visit. The person feels 1,000 times better almost instantly. And, uh, and in cases where you just can't find what the cause is, sometimes the cause is really due to a viral infection or maybe Lyme disease. And it can really go in under the wire. They may not have the, the, the common symptoms. Their only symptoms might be depression and anxiety. But it's, it's kind of like something that you test later. If all the rest of it didn't come, there was nothing that showed up and there's nobody, you know, nobody can figure this one out. Looking for Lyme disease is not a bad idea. And looking for like Epstein-Barr, cytomegalovirus, looking to see if the immune system is functioning properly. Once someone gets the suite of tests, are they now in a good position going forward to consider or not consider certain supplements or certain medications? Like, do they now have a um, a map or is it not that uh, sensible yet on what they should or shouldn't take in terms of, again, medications and supplementation? Honestly, when the blood chemistry is done, I'm going to say nine times out of 10, there is a red flag, a big red flag that comes up and you go, oh. There's the, there's the issue right there. So now you can identify one place that you're, you know, it's like you're taking care of that red flag, whatever it is. Vitamin D deficiency, super easy. Some, in some cases, uh, it's not just one red flag. There's two or three. There's a, there's a few things that need to be taken care of. And they can be taken care of one at a time or knock them all dead. You know, it's like, oh, go, go after them. And yeah. um if there's like, for instance, I mentioned, you know, if the person goes on for a period of time and they have an immune system component, then maybe their um, their gut is thrown off, or there was they picked up a pathogen, some somebody they have an unwanted guest in their gut, and that actually can throw off the neurotransmitters and be the cause of their depression and anxiety. So sometimes we, you know, it's like okay. This, all of this blood work is pointing towards the gut. Maybe we want to see if you have an unwanted guest. So maybe a stool sample is done, but that's more rare. And in some cases, it's an inflammatory issue. And that can be genetic. Uh, there can be a genetic component. And so maybe what we're going to look at is lifestyle or diet or both or supplementation to help that person no longer have to deal with a high level of inflammation in their body. And in, in some of those cases, you knock out the inflammation and then the real cause shows up. Though something, oh, really? Yeah, it comes, to, it comes to light because you've knocked out the inflammation that's masking the issue. If the whole body is being inflamed and that person's being attacked from the inside out, uh, sometimes you want to attend to the inflammation. And then, like, uh, very, let's say we're talking about somebody who does have insulin resistance. They're really reactive to simple carbohydrate foods. And uh, you take care of the inflammation and stabilize blood sugar. And then all of a sudden, something else shows up. There's a pathogen in the gut. There's a hormone imbalance. 
there's a, a B vitamin deficiency, like the, the thing that is actually causing it will come to light and it could have been masked because of the high inflammation. Because inflammation is, is like throwing a wrench into the works. It's, it stops a lot of pathways from, from working properly and can be the cause of, an, of a highly inflamed person. So that person could be suffering from tremendous failure of different organs and, and uh, the ability to digest and, and the ability to think properly due to the fact that they have high inflammation. Sometimes you have to take that one away and see what's the next layer. Like it's, you know, the layers of the onion yeah. that a lot of practitioners yeah. talk about. That is, that is relatively common. I'm going to say a third of the people that I work with have um, an amazing unveiling that happens as a result of taking inflammation away. Yeah, I didn't realize depression could be, a, you know, a side effect of so many different things. And changes yeah. some of the things you think you're doing a good job for yourself on, too. And there's something else. I didn't mention this, but I'm going to bring it up. And you already know about this. I know enough about you that you know this. And that is, we are now forced to live on a planet that is very toxic. We, there's toxins out there. And some of those toxins cause inflammation in the body and give an unfair advantage to bad bugs growing in the gut. Um, some of those will cause depression and anxiety. So another cause potentially can be a toxicity issue and it, it could be an underlying issue. And usually if you run blood work and let's say we have that inflamed person, like I was talking about, I have had a few people where we've been able to go, oh, um, this looks like pesticide overexposure or that person doesn't have the ability to process pesticides in their body, or they can't process phthalates from plastics or petroleum distillates or some, some type of chemical. Mm. They're, they're having a hard time getting rid of it. Uh, they might not be strong in their genetics to be able to run that liver pathway or whatever. So they have a buildup in their body for whatever reason, either overexposure or they can't get rid of it. And then they have all this downstream effect and one of the ways, let's go back to pesticides. If you have a buildup of pesticide in your body, what does the body do with it? it what it will do is it'll increase your uh, appetite and the person will put on weight and that's the body trying mm -hmm. to save itself because of the body will put on adipose tissue in order to store that chemical in it. And that's how the body, the body makes the chemical go from loving to be in water called hydrophilic to wanting to be in fat, lipophilic. And that's how the body protects itself from that chemical. It stuffs it into the closet by having you gain weight and now it's got some place to put it where it's not circulating in your bloodstream. So if that is one of those people, they will report that if they try to lose weight, they feel really sick. They will have hmm. symptoms or headaches. If they try to work out, they, they're like a weekend warrior, and by Sunday afternoon, they can't move. They're on the sofa, and they wow. can't move. That, so the body is fighting them, trying to protect itself as it had before. Oops. Yes, yes. It's going to shut them down. They'll have, they'll have fatigue, headache, uh, even rashes on the skin. Um, this is too much chemical that has gone, uh, that has gone from the fat 
into the bloodstream and the body can't get rid of it. So it stuffs it back. So that person's going to be on the sofa with a big appetite. And that is another reason why people can get seriously depressed and, and the anxiety can get out of control. So there's that. And, um, you know, and ever so rarely in the, in the case of somebody who has adrenal dysfunction where they're really high anxiety or, or intense fatigue along with the depression, we might be getting into thyroid issues. A subset of those, of that population may have pituitary or hypothalamus low function, and they may need something. I, I just had a lady that I was working with last week that she had pituitary and hypothalamus, we would say hypofunction. And as soon as we were able to address that, all of a sudden she's happier. So but the hypothalamus especially is all about your personality. And if your hypothalamus is not functioning properly, it can really cause a lot of personality glitches. And that person is going to say, I don't even recognize myself. I don't even know who I am now. This is not who I am. And that, that's a classic hypothalamus or pituitary issue. And then you have people that will go into, like, I mean, get depressed with uh, puberty or menopause, andropause, when the hormones are making a big change, especially if that person is highly stressed while they're going through puberty or highly stressed while they're going through andropause or menopause. Sometimes we'll see a huge crash in, into depression and anxiety because of the imbalance of the hormones that they're going through. And sometimes they just need a little bit of support to get through that transition to not fall into depression and anxiety for the rest of their life. Wow, okay. So Dr. Sandy, what, what's the best way for people to get help if they, you know, you're probably overloaded already, but, uh, you know, can you help people across the U.S. or only in certain places? And where can people go to get, to start gaining an understanding of what's going on with them? Because I would think a lot of them would, again, be mystified and maybe they've gone years or decades with problems. And now all of a sudden you're saying, well, it could be this, it could be that. Like, how do they take that first step to help themselves? Okay. Well, to answer one of your earlier questions, I take care of people all around the world. Doy conferencias en español también. I give, I can work with people in Spanish and in English. I am uh, able to help those with uh, who are Chinese or Japanese speaking. I can get by in German. So I can take care of a lot of different people and I can find people to translate if you can't find it. But most most places in the world, people can find a family member that speak English too. So we do it that way. I work with people by phone or by Zoom or still some people around the world use Skype. I have set aside uh, some time uh, for your listeners. I will, uh, I'm going to gift at least 10 uh, free 15-minute slots. So if people want to call the office and take one of those slots, Sometimes I can, if with a real quick kind of an interview process, I can point people in the right direction. And if you don't need my help, I'm perfectly fine with that. If I can point you in the right direction and get you going, then great. And that will, uh, but I do recommend getting the blood chemistries done. If people contact this office, I'm happy to send that list that I rattled off. 
and we, just a quick email, just, you know, email the office and you can find me through drsandybavakwa.com. That's D-R-S-A-N-D-Y. B as in boy, E, V as in Victor, A-C-Q-U-A.com. So there's my website. You can email me through that. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy to help people get out of this, this tornado of depression and anxiety. It's a heck of a way to live your life if you can't yeah. have happiness and satisfaction in your life. And I'm, I'm a big believer in making the best of every minute. Well, Sandy, that's, that's very generous of you. So how can people get in contact? That's my last question for you. Well, through the website, or if you want, you can just call the office. Uh, the office phone is 520-743-0575. And any of my staff will help you. Uh, you if you get the message machines, because we're helping others. So just go ahead and leave a message and we will get back to you. So uh, no worries. I, I'm here for you. And I am happy to help you get out of this. Uh, I don't know. What, what do we call depression and anxiety? It's it's hell for people that have yeah. to be there. And uh, my heart goes out to you. I don't want you to suffer anymore. Well, very good. Dr. Sandy, thank you so much for coming back. I really appreciate it. I'm really, really happy to reach out to your population and, and help out in any way I can. Thank you so much. If you like this podcast, please click the link in the description to subscribe and review us on iTunes. You've been listening to the Finding Genius Podcast with Richard Jacobs. If you like what you hear, be sure to review and subscribe to the Finding Genius Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And want to be smarter than everybody else? Become a premium member at FindingGeniusPodcast.com. This podcast is for information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed.